everybody, and welcome to Crypto Sapiens. I am here today with an amazing guest, Avril from Neutron in the Cosmos ecosystem, and I'm your host today, Rachel. Avril, we're so happy to have you here. Um, I've been really wanting to learn more about Neutron and more about the Cosmos ecosystem, so we are super happy to have you today. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and get started and talk about who you are, what got you into Web3 and Neutron, and what is your why? Hey, thanks, Rachel. Uh, it's yeah. a pleasure to be here. Long time coming as well, so pretty excited. Um, yeah, I mean, so I'm Avril. I'm the um, CEO and co-founder of Hadron Labs, the company that developed, um, you know, a meaningful part of Neutron's um, code. Neutron is a cross-site smart contracting platform. I'm sure we'll get, you know, plenty of occasions to go back to this. Now, to your question, um, it's actually kind of a long story, so feel free to interrupt me if I'm yeah, going. No, I, we, we love it here. Go go into the long, passionate rants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, you know, like back, back in the days, I was very into, you know, a lot of um, kind of like the concerns around privacy on the Internet and Web2 in general, um, you know, the Snowden revelations and, um, and all of that that ensued sort of like ingrained this like very deeply into sort of like my conception of the world that plus um you know events like um the financial crisis like Lehman block brothers and and such kind of basically led me to have a bit of a distrust of a lot of the most established and like financial and um web and like organizations that there were and so you know while while i was at um high school actually um you know i learned about like bitcoin as a technology and you know it kind of like immediately clicked um because what, what I liked about it basically was, hey, now here's this new technology that allows, um, that promises to allows, allow us to basically, you know, transfer value and own, like, you know, have our own financial system that does not depend on, so like these intermediaries um, that have been shown, you know, numerous times to, to you know, be, you know, sort of like susceptible to the flaws of like mankind, let's say. Um, now here we can solve that by, you know, code um, that everybody can see, review, agree with the rules of and, you know, just run on their computer basically. Um, and so that was like super as a, as a kind of like way of, of, of framing the, 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 this entire like part of the economy that was like super interesting to me. And then, you know, digging deeper into Bitcoin, which, you know, my first Bitcoin I bought in like my high school cafeteria in the queue before, before getting the food. Um, That's and, awesome. <laughs> and I was kind of like, you know, just like on, on my phone at the time, just like learning about how it works and, you know, what other blockchain technologies were out there. And that's sort of like when I learned about like Ethereum and then, you know, that blew my mind like on a whole different level because now, you know, what you could do with Bitcoin to like transfer value with the idea of small contracts, you could do to basically anything that you could encode. And so like, I, you know, I, I thought that this might actually change the way that society operates because now, you know, you could have like basically most of the economy or at least it's kind of like administrative part and financial part um, on, on the chain basically and have like transparent rules for everything. And so, you know, like those two things basically caught me onto the space. Um, and I started like digging deeper and learning how the technology itself works. Um, I did, you know, take some distance from the space for a while because, you know, like life was happening. I graduated, I got my master's. Um, I worked as a journalist for a couple of years, um, you know, throughout like Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos as an investigative journalist. Wow. Um, so all that was happening, but then, you know, eventually kind of like DeFi summer started. And so I started hearing back like about crypto again and was like, oh, wow, I forgot about this, but wait, 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 where, where is it at now? 
And so, you know, I got back into the space and discovered that now, oh, there was an actual economy in, in here, right? Like Uniswap had launched and, you know, like Compound and all of these other like maker um, protocols like were, were, were super interesting. And I was like, right, but I don't understand how an AMM works. And so, you know, there was the kind of like second phase of research and discovering about the space of like just discovering how the mechanisms themselves work. And so that that's really when I sort of like got caught on to the space. I basically started like, you know, working and researching at night and then, you know, working as a journalist during the day. That went on for a couple of years until, you know, while I was researching both on like being active both on Ethereum, but also on, on Terra increasingly um, over time, I kind of like, you know, discovered the, like got the full picture of the, of the ecosystem on Terra because I was there from the start basically. So I knew all the teams, I knew all of the protocols. And so eventually, you know, um, I, there was an occasion at which I started like interacting with folks from the, the Lido on Terra team. Um, and you know, we got on a couple of calls and eventually they, they, they basically, they offered to hire me. So I joined and from there on, you know, at, at the time the team was like very technical and I was the only one that wasn't, you know, from a technical background. And so I started doing you know, the, the, the communications and then the marketing and then the BD as well. And then, so, you know, oh, like over time, it just like started picking up more and more, more, more and more of these tasks until, you know, I was asked to basically lead the team at the time where we were sort of like, um, you know, in this sort of like transformative period where one, we had been trying to, you know, expand this DeFi protocol that was tremendously successful on Terra. Lido on Terra was like $10 billion TVL. It's almost as big as like what, it, like Lido on Ethereum, which is the largest DeFi TV, like uh, protocol is today. Um, so it was a massive success on Terra, but there was this entire ecosystem, the Cosmos ecosystem next, next door that it was completely unable to reach. And there were a number of challenges to actually be able to do so, you know, um, lack of security, lack of kind of like ecosystem alignment, and, you know, more than anything else, like lack of the right crushing technology to allow that protocol to scale, basically. And so, you know, we, we looked at this and we found a solution, right? We designed a solution for, the, for that problem. And as we were sort of like working on this um, and like a few things kind of like happened in parallel. First, a technology that was, you know, long awaited on the Cosmos Hub was about to be released. Um, that's like replicated security and replicated security fit our solution really well because it provided very high degree of security from the get-go and what, very deep. What was the type of security again? What was that? Uh, replicated security. So it's replicated, um, basically okay. you take the entire validator set and the entire stake of a proof of stake blockchain and you replicate it onto another blockchain essentially, right? Got it. Um, okay. We can go deeper into this, um, but basically it gives Neutron or any chain that runs on that technology um, the same security as the Cosmos Hub, the you know the most valuable, the oldest, the first uh, Cosmos blockchain, basically. And so you know that that technology was you know coming like just around the corner at that time, um, and it solved two of our problems. And so you know we started looking into it, and um, at the same time um, you know like as we were kind of like seeing how we could potentially like leverage these technologies, there was a proposal on the Cosmos Hub that said, hey, we're preparing the go-to-market of that technology called replicated security. We're looking for, you know, a few really talented teams to be the first to build on it, basically. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll support you with a proposal, some funding and, you know, the support from the community, basically. And that last part was the most valuable thing to us because, you know, ecosystem alignment was basically part of the fundamental problem that we, was, that we were trying to solve, essentially. Um, and so, you know, at around the same time, like Terra start, started um, crashing. And so, um, you know, basically everything aligned for us to be able to like fully commit to building this, right? And so, 
you know, from this initial idea of like realizing, hey, we have a successful DeFi protocol, but we're unable to scale it across chain. Um, here's the problem, right? It's difficult to scale a, a DeFi protocol. We designed a solution that just like kind of like fit directly into the market due to the circumstances of like, hey, actually here's the infrastructure you need to do so. And so there, there it is. And now Neutron is live has been, you know, been a very interesting journey so far. Wow. Wow. Well, that, that's amazing to hear about your back. It sounds like you have such a diverse background going from journalism to web three, investigative journalism in, in Asia to web three. That's amazing. So yeah, we, we went kind of all over the place there, but I, I really always want to start off an episode with what is your why? Like, what is the, what is your core, core purpose for doing what you do every day? Like what gets you excited about your work? Yeah. I mean, like, so what I'm excited about is that I, I, I think there's a good chance that if we build the right infrastructure and the right tools will enable like people like you, me, everybody else in the, on the planet to basically, you know, recreate, um, so like a lot of the institution and structure of society in a way that is like a lot more transparent, basically. And I think if done properly, I think that can have mass massive benefits to, to everyone. Um, so that, that's sort of like, you know, what, what drives me that and the fact that, you know, I, I'm a bit of, and I think, you know, that that's what brought me to both journalism and to like crypto. It's like, I like learning about new things and especially the complex things that kind of like blow your mind. Um, that, that's extremely stimulating for me, basically. And, you know, crypto and especially DeFi is awesome for this because it's like, there's always something new and it's always mm -hmm. complex. Oh yeah. <laughs> you see how it works and you're like, ah, oh, okay, that makes sense now. So that's kind of yeah, like my... I mean... <laughs> I didn't expect to start getting into podcasting and interviewing people, but there's just so many interesting, intelligent people in the space. I just, I always want to talk to people and, and be learning as much as possible. And, um, I know our AV guy, Eureka John, shout out Eureka John. I know he'll be watching this and editing this. Um, uh, so I know he's been a part of something called Journo Dow. Have you heard of that? Yeah. So. I I, I haven't heard about it like specifically, but you know, from the name, I can infer uh, yeah. what, what, they're, what they're doing. Yeah, it so I, I mean, hey, I can connect you with Eureka John and and Jerno Dow. There might be some some good synergy there. Um, yeah, for sure. Awesome. So yeah, I, I just want to rewind a little bit for our listeners today and just give a high level breakdown, like an explanation of what Neutron is and what problems it's solving. Yeah, for sure. So Neutron is a very secure cross-chain smart contracting platform. What it does is simply, um, so there's the industry as a whole is becoming increasingly multi-chain, right? We have more and more chains and each of them have their own ecosystem and markets, even though mm -hmm. there might be other ones, right? Um, and the thing is like to be able to build a sustainable business, you know, for your protocol to be sustainable, basically, it needs to find product market fit, right? It needs to address, provide a service to a market, right? There needs to be a market, except due to that sort of like increasingly multi-chain world, it's actually fairly difficult. Like the, the market is like pretty fragmented and, um, and addressing multiple markets um, separately doesn't really work, right? So we've seen this with um, you know, like Sushi or, you know, even Curve, basically, like there's a number of protocols now that were forked and, you know, relaunched on numerous networks. And that's all well and good. But the problem is that now they have additional overhead. They need to maintain multiple versions of their protocol that cater for the different like peculiarities of each blockchain. And they don't get any sort of like, you know, beyond the brand recognition, I guess, there's very little sort of like network effects or like compounding benefits to being on multiple chains, right? Whereas... If you could somehow, you know, make one protocol that actually exists across multiple chains and can service 
the the aggregate market basically um, as kind of like a cohesive thing, then that protocol would basically um, be a lot more powerful, essentially, right? So imagine, for example, like a, a decentralized exchange. Um, you know, you have your liquidity and you have demand, right? But your liquidity might not be on the same chain as where you have demand, right? And so being able to sort of like allocate your resources across chains could help you um, basically satisfy, like provide better trade execution to traders and more revenue, more yield, well, more rewards for the uh, LPs, right? And so basically that kind of like complex build out, we make it really easy for builders, right? So we provide you with the platform that allows you to connect to all of these other chains. And we provide you with the infrastructure that you need in order to do that very easily so that you deploy your application once and that application is able to exist everywhere, right? Basically. Uh, that sounds really amazing. So it's almost like what you've built is really connecting multiple ecosystems and multiple chains and uh, bringing people together for kind of like an all-in-one user experience. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Neutron is a very, you know, new chain. It's like still arguably in this bootstrapping phase, but, you know, really the, the vision that, uh, like the, the sort of like future that we envision is that, you know, regardless of whether people know or, or not that, you know, it's their, their assets are on Neutron, they basically just park them here because from here they have access to everything else essentially, right? And so instead of having to move between chains and handle all of these like cross-chain transactions and the security assumptions there, we just provide them with kind of like a homogeneous like bridging experience, which has a very high degree of security um, through a technology called IBC, which is like the, the, the bridging protocol, let's say, of Cosmos, which uses like client to verify the consensus of you know the validity let's say of the blocks on both sides of the channel so that essentially if you trust the blockchains that you're communicating with then you can mm -hmm. trust the bridge like the bridge cannot change the you know the, the bridge cannot cheat essentially um, and so you know using that that protocol we're able to basically allow you know two things like first for users basically you can just park your assets there and then deploy them, access every opportunity without having to, you know, handle the crushing complexity yourself. And for protocols, it's, um, it's basically like, hey, build the brains of your protocol on Neutron, and then we'll allow you to basically expand your services to all of these other chains so that you can basically scale your business across chain like a lot faster, right? Um, so that, that's okay. kind of... Like Wow, I like that. So it, it's almost a, also a vehicle for business scalability as well, which uh, I mean, that that's something that could uh, theoretically tie into my work at Opolis. And maybe we can touch on that a bit as well. But yeah, so you, you've talked a bit about like the future and what you envision for Neutron. Um, I'm curious to hear like what milestones you've accomplished uh, with your team and also more about the future goals you envision, like what milestones you'd like to hit in the future. So like first... I, you know, a pretty good milestone was um, Neutron is the first chain to ever launch on replicated security, um, which is, you know, one of the first kind of like um, shared security technologies. We talk a lot about like eigenlayers and others, but, you know, replicated security is live today. It's securing two different chains, um, including Neutron, which was the first to launch on it. And that itself is actually kind of a technical prowess um, because it's a you know fairly complex technology. It was never done before. And so we, you know, we contributed with a number of the really incredible teams that work around the hub, like IFA, Informal, and others, all of the validators as well, um, to you know make it happen. And so um, I, I think that that was a fairly significant one. Um, I think the launch event was also, you know, it's like um, the, the market today is definitely not in your euphoria stages, but still with, you know, this kind of like 
single event that lasted for a couple of, of, of days and weeks to distribute the, the supply and the voting power um, into the future DAO, basically. That, that single event basically made Neutron the top seven chain, I think, in Cosmos um, in hmm. you know, just of like a, a few days out wow. of like 16 blockchains. Um, so that was another, I think, pretty interesting milestone. Um, Neutron recently, well, Hadron Labs recently proposed something that is being voted on right now. And I think, you know, very optimistic that it will get uh, accepted, but basically proposed the first blockchain merger in the Cosmos history, basically, whereby another chain blockchain project called Duality, which is actually a theme, a, a, a team that's originally from Ethereum that started developing kind of like very advanced market designs um, for, you know, like basically combining the best features and mechanism design basically for a DEX to allow like very, very granular control over liquidity and, and trade execution. Um, you know, like to such an extent, actually, that they were forced to move to Cosmos to be able to build their thing, to really have control of the stack to the extent that they could build it. Um, we're, we're, you know, in the process of like releasing this and it synergizes very, very well with Neutron as kind of like this coordinating DeFi hub in Cosmos, right? And so we discussed with them so that there was you know, a number of um, of avenues that we wanted to work on together very, very closely. And so that's how we ended up, you know, proposing the, the merger, right? So merging actual blockchains together um, is another thing that I'm pretty excited about. And then I think the, the you know, the most recent one would be um, sort of like bridging RepSafety to Cosmos by Neutron. Um, one of the, you know, like Neutron and, and let's say one of the issues with like for the Lido DAO is that, you know, there's a number of chain Cosmos. It's a very sort of like particular um, ecosystem. And so left unattended, um, one of the likely consequences would be that, you know, multiple chains would bridge RepSafety um, in you know variety of ways with a variety of bridges, and you would end up with like various representations of RepSafety teeth, which when they are bridged across IBC, then even become more specific and less fungible. And so you would have ended up in this like kind of like nightmare of denominations for the same asset, um, mm. which is something that you know what would be a, would have been like a, a lose lose scenario for everyone essentially. And so we worked on developing a solution that would allow um, multiple bridge providers, including you know Axelar, Wormhole. And in the future, others, I'm, I'm sure as well, to basically, you know, co-secure a bridge that would result in having just one token that can be used across the entire ecosystem that all of the liquidity can be, you know, aggregated around so that, you know, it maximizes the benefits for the ecosystem. But also so that in the future, Lido can basically, you know, the DAO can basically shape the bridge to correspond to its like long-term vision and such. And so that's kind of like one, the first step in our collaboration um, in, in what I hope will be a very long um uh, like journey of collaboration with 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 Lido. And wow, that that sounds really positive. Just like you're eliminating barriers, building bridges between chains. Uh, that just sounds like a really positive thing that you're doing. Um, and you did mention the word DAO. You said the future DAO. And I'm curious, like, what Neutron's relationship is to DAOs or the Cosmos DAO ecosystem. Um, I know I'm actually going to be on a panel with uh, Jake Hartnell from DAO DAO. If you're familiar with Jake, uh, we're going to be speaking at NFT San Francisco. So yeah, I, I've been meaning to like dive into all the the DAO things in the Cosmos ecosystem. So, uh, yeah, I'm curious what the relation is, um, the relationship is between Neutron and the DAO ecosystem. I think what we're trying to do is basically the synthesis of the kind of the learnings from both Ethereum and Cosmos, whereby um, I think on Ethereum, you have like a very deep um, culture of DAOs, um, I think pioneered by like MakerDAO, Lido and a few others that have really sort of like bootstrap, like 
processes around like transparency, reporting, how you do like on-chain approval of certain actions, like how you manage permissions within, you know, a set of decentralized contributors. Um, and so I think we're trying to like bring a lot of this kind of like culture and, and, and practice basically um, to Cosmos where you already have a very strong culture of on-chain governance, basically, right? Every Cosmos blockchain today, um, or almost everyone, uh, each of them um, has a module in their blockchain called the governance module, which allows token holders to vote on, you know, changing parameters or up upgrading the, the entire network, right? So uh, governance in Cosmos has tremendous power. And so it's been kind of like this, um, th these years of like exercising this power as a community, creating, you know, the information sharing channels and such. And so what we're trying to do with Neutron is basically like bring them together because um, on the one hand, the, the Gov module has created this like very deeply ingrained culture of like we own the blockchains and basically our social consensus, we can manifest it through um, voting systems to like change the chains themselves. Um, but it's the module itself is not super versatile. And so what we're trying to do is to, you know, learn from the, um, the more established DAOs on Ethereum to basically get better, more granular kind of like governance structures. So on Neutron, we don't use the Gov module. We use um, basically a combination of one module that allows um, our smart contract DAO to basically control the blockchain. And, you know, you mentioned Jay Cardinal, actually the, the set of contracts that we use that we point to as the admin of the chain is actually, you know, based on DAO DAO, right? We forked it, added a few modules. We're now upstreaming mm -hmm. a lot of code with DAO DAO. We're actually, uh, they launched on Neutron like recently. Um, and so, you know, the way it works is essentially you have like that top layer um, that I call the Agora, where it's, um, you know, everyone can vote on the decisions, like the most important ones. But at the same time, what we've seen in Cosmos is that like, you know, everyone voting on every decision doesn't really scale. Eventually, you know, people get bored. They don't, you know, voter fatigue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Decision fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we, we have this kind of like fractal structure whereby you have the main DAO and then under the main DAO, you can have sub DAOs that have their own voting systems, their own sort of like mechanisms that are accountable to the main DAO, right? So for example, w one of the, the sub DAOs that is being created and proposed right now um, is the grants DAO. And so they, you know, they have a treasury of funds that is earmarked to do grants um, and they can pay out grants by making proposals and voting on it. This specific DAO is, you know, it, it has a, like a multi-six system, but it could have different selection mechanisms like elections or, you know, even liquid democracy, you, you can get pretty creative with this. Uh, but, you know, the initial stage is like a multi-sig, but, you know, similar to easy track, it has a bit of an optimistic governance system whereby when the committee wants to make a grant, they can make their proposal. There's no like, you know, super long voting period. It's, it, you know, they just vote on it. And then as soon as the decision has been made, it's executed. Um, but before, well, sorry, it's not executed. Actually, it's like, it's approved or rejected, right? The outcome is instant as soon as they voted. Um, but then before it can be executed, if it's been approved, the, there's like a three days period during which the main DAO can veto it, right? So you retain that accountability um, by way of like that, that optimistic track, basically, right? It's easy to pass, but then it's also easy to reject in case they go haywire and start like laundering money or, or what have you, right? Uh, wow. Um, so trying to combine these things is, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, just for any builders out there, project founders, um, what sorts of things do you think the Grand Style is looking for, uh, for builders to come into Cosmos? I think there's a bunch of things. Like the, the main, the main thing is like, as I said, like Neutron is still in this like bootstrapping phase, right? And so what I, I guess the highest value things that we could be funding right now are people who have a great vision of a product, a consumer facing service or product that they can bring mm -hmm. to the market. 
and that we can support them to bring everywhere, essentially, right? So if you have a very strong DeFi product in mind and you would that product would benefit from being able to scale across chains in a secure manner, then we're, we're, you know, we're interested in talking to you. So it sounds like you're looking for powerful value proposition, scalability, and something that brings in uh, more people from various different communities. Yeah, that sounds fair. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so also just for uh, resources for our listeners and viewers today, where are the best places to go um, to find information on Neutron, Cosmos, Grants DAO, DAO DAO, uh, all the Cosmos and Neutron things? Oh, well, that's a difficult question. I, I think that's one of the remaining problems of the ecosystem, which is that information can be scattered um, mm-hmm. a little bit around. Um, for you know anything Neutron, just like look at domains with neutron.org so like you know neutron.org itself is our website it's you know we're updating it because it's actually quite old now uh, but but so neutron.org docs.neutron.org will tell you everything about how it works and how we can help um, and then governance.neutron.org will give you a lot more and forum.neutron.org will give you a lot more context around like, what's currently happening what's you know going on like for example you know the upcoming a potential light liquidity mining program, the grants program, the audit sponsorship program, um, and a bunch of other things like various, like deep partnership with a number of projects like TimeWave, Astroport, Mars, and, and others. Awesome. Yeah. Well, the, the Neutron website looks pretty impressive to me. Looks like you're backed by a lot of really amazing projects, Binance Labs. Um, I see Coin Fund. Cosmos Station. Awesome. As far as like uh, getting into DowDow, GrantsDow, are those things like open to the community? Like, uh, are they are they actively looking for people to join and contribute? Are there ways for people to get involved? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the first place is, uh, you know, just the forums. Um, these things are like the GrantsDow specifically is being set up right now. So, you know, it will it will, you know, get into activity. Um, I think within the next few weeks, once the proposal is approved and executed, um, but but definitely like on on the forum you can suggest proposals you can refer people um, you can you know keep them accountable as well if you think that they're going haywire or making proposals to fund their friends um, you can help you know keep them keep them in check um, and then you know there's a number of functions for that that must be um, taken over for an ecosystem to function and so you know not all of this is being done yet and so if you see a gap and you will you would want to contribute like definitely make a proposal for that and We'll be very happy to support you. Awesome. Well, yeah, afterwards, I'll just gather like different links that we can put in the description of our podcast and video so everyone has access to those. Now, this topic brings me into my next question for you today. So how do we build an economy that is active enough to sustain builders? How do we build something that's engaging enough to, uh, you know, keep people wanting to come back? And I guess in the bottom of the bottom of the bear market, this is a really good question, right? Because we've seen a lot of people kind of become more disengaged. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, obviously a lot of it comes down to we need to build as an industry, right? As we evolve, we need to build better products that solve like real problems and like provide value to people, right? That's kind of like the easy answer. Um, but at the same time, it's difficult to do so if there's no market for you to address and you know that, you know, beyond perhaps like getting your grant, you're you're never going to basically be able to pay your devs um, to, to actually build this thing. And so, you know, in, in Cosmos specifically, I think, um, one of the limiting factors has been um, sort of like the lack of liquidity and lack of like value in DeFi, right? There's a lot of value in Cosmos. But most of it is currently in staking. And, you know, because staking rates tend to be pretty high, um, it's very difficult for any protocol to basically compete with us, right? The, some call this the hurdle rate. 
Um, now this is going to change, right? Like Lido is coming into the ecosystem. There are a few liquid staking providers like Stride, Quicksilver, and others uh, in the ecosystem as well. And so all of them will you know, contribute to fixing this, but still, um, you know, so liquidity is kind of like, in my opinion, the, the limiting factor here because it prevents some integrations. It prevents, um, you know, there being a market that's large enough to actually allow this activity to, to, to happen. And so, you know, the, the way I see it, there's kind of like four ways that you can tackle this. Um, the first one is obviously create new value, create new, new liquidity. And so every time, you know, a new product, a net new project is created, it kind of like serves this purpose, right? And, um, you know, we talked about Neutron's launch event initially, that launch event, right? The set of smart contract, their interactions basically harness the power of like the, the value being created by Neutron itself being launched by, you know, hundreds of validators um, to basically lock in some value to sustain that ecosystem long-term basically. Um, so th that's the first one. Um, obviously though, you can't just create new value like this um, every day and just like, you know, find a convenient way to tokenize this and put it into the economy. Um, and so the other things that can be done, um, I think go into two categories basically, either releasing existing value that is not in the economy currently or, you know, importing it. And so when we look at Cosmos itself, um, there's sort of like two massive pools of capital that is idle, right? There's um, staking, which we discussed like very briefly just before, right? We know the answer for this. It's called liquid staking. Um, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Lido pioneered it. You know, we know it works. It works at scale. Um, and so it, it actually was invented in Cosmos, by the way, fun fact. Um, the first paper on liquid staking was written. Oh, wow. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little known fact, but... Um, so yeah, like, you know, that is being rolled out. And the second prong when it comes to releasing is, you know, we talked about the governance module of the Cosmos blockchains before, right? Um, most customers, just like they have a, go a gov module, most Cosmos chains have something that we call the community pool, right? This is the treasury of the entire blockchain and, you know, pretty massive amounts of capital are sitting denominated in native tokens in these treasuries doing nothing. And because of the way that the tech is implemented, basically, it's not particularly convenient to actually deploy them, you know, and you have structural disadvantages, e.g., you know, as a DAO, if you have to wait for two weeks before the action happens, the market has ample time to like front run you and, you know, find ways to make money off of your back, essentially. And so some, some of the most exciting projects on Neutron are basically leveraging its cross-chain um, infrastructure to basically build tools that allow DAOs and blockchains all across the ecosystem to basically participate in the economy and make deals between each other, right? Hey, let's do a token swap. Let's co-provide liquidity to a nice. certain exchange that is aligned. Let's borrow against this to do something else. And let's, you know, diversify our, our position so that when the bear market comes, we have reserves that we can use to continue, you know, developing ourselves. Um, so all of this, right, it's bringing Love that. sophistication. I, yeah. I love also that you mentioned the awareness of, you know, risk assessment and properly planning for a bear market, right? Um, I think during the bull run, we saw all of these projects blow up, right? And then run out of funding and, and not take into account financial sustainability, proper risk assessment, treasury management. Um, that's actually one of the questions we um, had put together for today. Like, why is having a business model so important for Web3 projects? I think you, uh, you know, began to touch on it there. It's staying power essentially, right? Um, you can build the the best set of like like the best set of like pieces of code if nobody uses it or if it's not able to continue attracting, you know, well, well people who use it basically, right? Which in in you know in DeFi is um, 
very financial in nature, right? So you need basically a market around your code, essentially. Um, you need people who want to like demand and supply. Um, and so, you know, if you, and because all of these things are kind of like valued as well, um, you kind of need to be able to justify continuous improvement, um, having, you know, people contributing around it. And one of the you know largest ways that people have been doing this is basically by having incentives, but incentives without, you know, something coming out in the other way, uh, you know, eventually, you, you know, just disappears. And so, yeah. you know, basically it's, it's, it's both a kind of like um, mechanism sustainability question. And it's also like a, a people question, right? At the end of the day, you need people to like, not to operate them, but at, at least to develop these things, basically make them happen in the first place and improve them interactively. Right. So like, you know, we had like Aave V1 and now we have like more advanced versions, same thing for Uniswap and other things, right? Lido has a router now. Um, and all of these things like require like considerable amount of work, right? So, you know, at, at the end of the day, like these financial institutions, like this, sorry, these um, digital institutions need ways to basically, um, you know, remain alive so that they can continue to like work towards the mission they set for themselves, right? Whether they're completely just pieces of code or like also organizations with like people congregating around them. Yeah. And I, I think another good point to bring up, like if you have your treasury in your native token, do you think that's something that's risky? Do you think that there should be a safety net of some sort of stable liquidity for a project? Yeah, I think that would, in general, that would be prudent. Yes. But it, it's funny to see how, like, how un, inf, unfrequent that has been, actually. Um, there, there's a few projects that yeah. have done this. Like, <laughs> Lido has done this, actually. And it was kind of you know, like I, I mentioned just before, like structural disadvantages to DAOs, right? In that specific case, it actually played out pretty nicely for, for Lido, but it's not always the case, right? Like if you have structural disadvantages due to the fact that all of your actions are, you know, handled by public code on a public ledger, um, you know, it's very easy for the market to react to these things. And so when Lido wanted to diversify its treasury, um, there was a, you know, a, um, a purchaser that was interested in getting exposure to the LDO token um, to get voting power and such. And, you know, they made a public offer, but because of the governor's delay, the price changed pretty drastically. Right? Oh man. They had set a color on the valuation that they were ready to, ready to accept. Right. And of course that created a target for the market. So the market just like pushed the price mm. above that. But, you know, they, they, they played nice, I guess, and um, they, they took it anyway. And so, wow. you know, that played very, very well for both of them, I think, to be fair. Um, but that's one example of, like, why creating mechanisms that actually provide structural advantages to DAOs is sort of, like, required for them to be able to actually participate in the economy. Otherwise, mm. you know, it's, they're, they're, it's fairly unfair for, for, for them, basically. Mm. It's very easy to front-run a, a, a DAO unless there are specific mechanisms to protect them. Mm, absolutely. Wow. Definitely good food for thought for builders and, and people working on different projects out there. Now, I, I want to shift gears a little bit to another question we put together for today. So we touched on this a bit when talking about the multi-chain nature of Neutron. But this question I have for you is how do we take into account the multi-chain nature of the industry? And are we condemned to going into silos or can we create protocol architectures that create network effects? Oh, yeah, I think that's that's the whole thing, right? So um, we, we actually touched upon this a little bit earlier, right? But, you know, the the industry is definitely on a trend where it's becoming more multi-chain, right? And by chain here, I include, you know, both what we call L1s, what we call L2s, although they're really just chains um, with fancy bridges, but chains nonetheless. Um, 
And so, you know, the, the number of blockchains that exist in, in the industry is like consistently increasing and, you know, a reasonable number of them is attracting you know, fairly massive um, amounts of value and use like large user bases and such. And so, you know, just how, like as a builder, how do you approach that, that market, that topography basically, right? Um, currently, you know, if you, if you look at the Ethereum L2 ecosystem, you're sort of asked to pick one, right? Which rollup do you think is going to be the, the winner, right? Pick one and you better be right because if you're not, yeah, you might have to re-encode your entire protocol because they use different technologies, perhaps different VMs and, and such. Um, and so, you know, that, that's a very difficult question to answer, right? Um, and so basically there's like our thesis, I guess, is that there's an alternative. Maybe you don't need to pick actually. Maybe you can choose a stack that allows you to not have to choose basically. And so if we are able to create a bridging technology that allows you to securely interact with all of these blockchains, not only just trying to like transfer tokens, but also, you know, retrieve information through cross-chain queries and, you know, act on other blockchains, own assets on behalf of your protocol, you know, like your protocol owns an account on a different blockchain. Um, then, you know, you can build applications that don't exist on a single blockchain, but exist across them basically. And so in that case, there's no need to pick a winner anymore. Basically you have to now this sort of like your protocol has effectively transcended the blockchain that it's on right now. And I think, you know, as the industry evolves and like today, when you're using the internet, you're not thinking, oh, I'm interacting with an AWS server right now. You don't yeah. care. About mm-hmm. it, right. And so I, I think the same will happen to blockchains eventually. Right. Mm-hmm. Now we have this very tribal kind of like relationship to the blockchain stack that we work on, um, you know, probably in large parts due to one proximity to the other people that are in that network, but also due to the fact that there's like financial ties and loyalty to, to these networks, right? But in, in my opinion, you know, like if the long-term goal is to provide the best services and products and, and, and you know, change people's lives by providing something better, something more fair, something more transparent that provides a better, a better service, then, you know, eventually the blockchains are likely to fade from the public's consciousness, right? My grandmother is not gonna cook, like care about whether I'm using <laughs> or, or what, yeah. or what. She's, gonna, she's gonna care about like, hey, can I do something with that thing on my phone, basically? Um, you know, assuming she can use her phone, which is something that I work up very hard every day. <laughs> um, but so, so yeah, you, you get to see my point, right? Um, if you can build applications that are not limited by the underlying um, blockchain stack anymore because they are able to um, access different markets and access different blockchain stacks and therefore their features, then you're able to build applications that um, one, are a lot less limited and two, um, basically, you know, are, 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 are sort of like able to extract network effects from being on multiple chains rather than, you know, just being on multiple chains. Like, because now you can have things like, you know, you can reallocate liquidity where it's needed. You can, um, you know, do internal accounting between your, 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 your deployment and, you know, a number of things like this that allow you to, to basically increase efficiency um, for your protocol and, and its users.
I, I love that. So I, I feel like where you're going with this is just our shared collective success kind of rests in putting the user first, making things as seamless and connected as possible. And that's how we all make it further together. I, I absolutely love that. I love that philosophy. Tying that into sovereignty and ownership of your work in Web3, how do you think that all kind of ties together? I think that's a really good question. I mean, I think where the paradox is, is that, you know, the idea of I mean, you know, th there's a number of things. Like first, it depends on the application, right? For a financial application, um, it seems like sovereignty is useful to a degree, but because, you know, the at the end of the day, really the value is in something, you know, it, it's, it's a financial or economical thing, right? So, you know, if a lot of your economy is USDC from Circle, at the end of the day, the four choice is kind of decided um, in parts, at least by Circle and other, you know, bridges and, and, you know, external forms of value that come into your ecosystem. And so for financial applications, like sovereignty is important, but in other ways um, than just, you know, for the community or minority to just be able to express itself. Now, when you go into like more governance applications, actually it becomes like an absolutely critical thing whereby you can even like, almost see it as like a, a way for communities to ensure that their technologies are not captured by like, you know, tyrannical oppressors or what have you, right? And so you could imagine a future where um, blockchains are used, um, you know, in North Korea, for example, to prove, like, mm. to fight back against, like, the, mm. the regime and make sure that information and freedom of speech is, like, cannot be impeded, right? Um, well, but, I mean, you know, it's kind of like... Now, you know, to bring it back to, like, today, um, I think, like, the, the, the point of sovereignty, right, is the idea that, like, if you're application, if your mission basically owns the stack that it runs on, then it has the ability to, to access some degree of customizability that makes, that allows it to be better than the incumbent, right? That, than other architectures like, um, you know, smart contracts, for example, that do, are somewhat limited by the um, like design choices, the trade-offs that are made by the underlying platform. Um, now, I, I think that's a very powerful idea, but the other thing is, you know, like as I, as we said, like today, this is like largely used to build financial applications, and so um, while that customizability is useful to build better products, they still need to be connected to the rest of the system of the economy, right? And so that's kind of like how I see you know Neutron fit within you know Cosmos and the broader interchain, right? Like you have all of these, you have this kind of like long-term trend of the best products, like for example the YGX, um, you know, moving to the stacks that allow them all the best teams and best kind of like you know, protocols and communities and DAOs moving towards the stack that allows them to build um, the, 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 the most cutting edge, the best kind of like product, right? And as this kind of like transition, as this thesis plays out, um, you're mechanically going to increase the fragmentation unless there is a solution to that. And so while IVC and other bridging technologies are, you know, a big part of that solution, you are still needing that kind of like connector, right? That matrix to bring everything together, right? An ecosystem where, um, which is like a meta ecosystem basically that takes all of these applications, makes them easily accessible to everyone and, you know, adds synchronicity and all of the rest um, on, on top, right? And so that, that's how I see Neutron basically. Neutron is kind of like the glue of the interchain. It's the thing that link all of these other uh, projects together, bring them together into an ecosystem and connect to like Ethereum, connect to Celestia, connect to the Cosmos Hub, connect to the, you know, the, the interchain, the, the industry as a whole. 
Wow. I, I feel like that was just uh, such a beautiful synopsis. And um, I'm definitely really excited about this project and happy to support however I can. I also, like I said, do work over at Opolis. So um, maybe there's some synergy there for a partnership. I don't know if you guys are like uh, super international. I know you're, you said you're in France, uh, but yeah, we're, we're mainly based in the US. So yeah, I'd love to pick up that conversation sometime. So yeah, um, just out of curiosity. So I usually like to end the show by asking, are you excited about any future upcoming initiatives or events? Uh, where can people find the Neutron Team IRL? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so if you want to attempt a $5 attack wrench uh, against us, then you know, we <laughs> nerds, we don't go outside. Now, if you want to come and chat about like the future of like, DeFi and governance and stuff, um, we'll be at Cosmoverse, uh, which is the largest like Cosmos conference, basically. Um, it's going to be in Turkey in October um, this year. Um, I think the spots are close to running out right now. So if you're interested, like do get it right now. Um, it will be there, I think pretty like on fours. So there's be, there will be like a bunch of us there. Um, and then, you know, like next year we'll be attending a, a number of conferences. We were at ACC earlier this year. We'll probably be there next year as well. So looking forward to all of that. Awesome. Yeah. So in the description, um, if you're listening to our podcast, you'll see the links in the description. Also, same if you're listening on YouTube, we'll put the Cosmoverse link uh, and we'll put a link also to Neutron's website and also the discourse for Cosmos as well. So you can get involved in the community forum. Yeah. So Avril, any any closing thoughts or anything you'd like to share? Um, any resources to connect with you as well? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm fairly available on both Twitter, Telegram, Discord, what have you. Um, my nickname is Spade. And yeah, on Twitter, OX Spade, but otherwise just Spade. Awesome. And if you don't mind me asking, where does the nickname Spade come from? Um, I tried to engineer a, a nickname that would be as hard to pronounce the first time you read it as possible. And apparently it did pretty good. <laughs> I, I was wondering that myself. So yeah, I think it was effective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, Spade, Avril, thank you so much for joining Crypto Sapiens today. Um, and yeah, for everyone that tuned in, uh, watching, listening, thank you for showing up. And yeah, we'll have another episode coming for you next week. Okay. Bye, everybody. Okay, friends. So before we end today's episode, I just want to take a moment to thank projects like BanklessDAO and projects like Opolis for making season eight of Crypto Sapiens possible. So I just want to draw your attention to the links in our description. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see the links there. Or if you're listening to our podcast, you'll also see the links in the description. The first is going to be BanklessDAO.community. And for those watching the video, I'll go ahead and share my screen. So you'll see here BanklessDAO's website. You'll also be able to learn more about how to join BanklessDAO, the different guilds, and different projects that we're working on at BanklessDAO. And there really is something for everyone here. I think it's an amazing starting point for those looking to get involved in Web3. If you're listening to this and want to learn more about how to get involved, BanklessDAO is an excellent starting point. There's guilds for just about any interest here, so I highly recommend going to bankless.community, joining the Discord, and saying hi and making some friends. To stay up to date on all things Crypto Sapiens, go to CryptoSapiens.xyz. Here, you'll see all of our podcast episodes uploaded with a brief description of what they are, and you can also download them from here. Now, last but not least, a lot of you know me actually from my work at Opolis. So Opolis, if you don't know, is a digital employment cooperative. We do things like offer employer services to those working in the Web3 space, working on DAOs, or running their own independent business. So we help issue W2s, 
pay stubs, and get you things like national health care coverage. So if this is something you're interested in, click the link in the description. All proceeds for referrals go towards supporting Crypto Sapiens. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of Crypto Sapiens. As always, stay tuned for next time, and thank you again for joining.